Hi, I'm Marcus, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon. You can too by visiting patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Welcome, podcast listener, to the very first episode of Drawn and Paneled. I'm George, and with me today is my co-host, Jason. Hey, guys. And we're here today because we want to share our love of comic books with you. Now, we all love Marvel. We all love DC. But Jason and I really love the independent comic book scene. We've been getting into some of these comic books over the last year or so. And we've actually been producing a video series on YouTube on the Gen X Grown Up YouTube channel called Comic Sans. We were doing that for a little while. It was a lot of work, actually way more work than either one of us wanted to do because we both have day jobs and night jobs and in-between jobs. And we decided that podcasts might be a little bit easier to put together. We could also invite some special guests because they wouldn't have to fly into the Gen X Grown Up Studios and we could get some fun things going on. And we're just looking forward to sharing all of this with you here on Drawn and Paneled. So let's jump right into the first part of the show. Let's go. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program featuring the thrilling adventures of an amazing and incredible personality. Faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Up in the sky, look, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Right now, we're going to talk about comic book news. This is all the news that's fit to print, read, and listen to on the Drawn and Paneled Universe. Jason, what have you got for us today? Well, I've got a few pieces of news for us. I'm going to start off with some sad news, though. Well, okay. I don't. We're going to start off with sad news? This is like a happy podcast. What are we doing? Well, we want to keep our listeners informed, and that means True. giving them all all the news. So recently, it was announced that Netflix has canceled two of the Marvel television what? series. No, 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 no. Which ones? Started with Iron Fist. Oh, really? With Iron Fist, that's right. That one was probably the most poorly received of the Netflix series. Man, that was really good, the second season. The I second that. season was much, uh, much improved, in my opinion. And then shortly after that, Luke Cage was announced as being canceled. Luke Cage got canceled? Luke Cage wow. got the axe. Man. So they can tell their statistics right away when they release these things. They can see who's watching it and downloading. It's not like Nielsen where they're sending you a dollar in an envelope and begging you to tell them what you're watching. They know the statistics right away. I guess those shows just weren't getting those views. Right. Well, I looked into that and Netflix unlike Nielsen or some of these other broad or like broadcast channels does not reveal their ratings. Oh, of course. Uh, so, yeah, they don't so have we to. So right. we don't really know how how they gauge it. Some of what I read is from social media, you know, the tweets and everything like that about the show before it starts and during it. And there was quite a drop off between the first season and the second season of those two shows. There was a drop off when those seasons got better. That's crazy. Yes. Just the word of mouth. And plus Iron Fist, even season two, people were still kind of down and negative on it. So that one man kind of had a rough start. Luke Cage, though, there was some debate with the, uh, Writer's Room, Netflix, Marvel, just some tensions that couldn't really get resolved, some creative differences. Ooh, so some behind the scenes kind of stuff. Behind the scenes stuff. Now, 
there's still going to be a season three of Jessica Jones. Okay, good. There's still going to be a season two of The Punisher. Oh, good, 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 good. We just had season three of Daredevil, but it's undecided or unknown if there'll be a season four of Daredevil. Okay, so they bring the other ones back, but they don't bring Daredevil back. That's kind of because Daredevil was the one that really kicked everything into high gear for the Netflix Marvel series. If it wasn't for Daredevil's success in its first season, I don't right. think you would have had the other series. And I'm I'm glad we did. I'm sad that two of them are gone. I'm guessing that also means there's definitely no Defenders that's ever going to come back. Yeah, there hasn't been really much talk or discussion of Defenders season two. Plus, Disney in 2019 is getting ready to launch their streaming service, which will have some Marvel shows on there. It's unknown if... These will make their way oh, to the Disney streaming service because they are a little you. bit more gritty, but that has something to do with it as well. All right. Well, so we know the stuff about Netflix and Marvel. Have you found anything else out to talk to our listeners about? This one's not exactly bad news, but Wonder Woman 1984, which is the sequel to probably DC's most popular and probably best cinematic film. Oh, yeah. You know, in the recent years uh, has been pushed back. It was originally scheduled. Pushed back? For, like the release date, you're saying? The release date, yes. Wow. Okay. It originally scheduled for a November 2019 release, but now we have to wait till June 2020 before we see Wonder June Woman 2020. again. I might not even make it that long. Are you kidding me? Wow. <laughs> You've probably heard about the Joker prequel. I don't know what it oh, is, yeah. but Joker origin right. film. That's, that's coming out in October of 2019. And so oh, I'm guessing okay. they want to have a little bit of space between them. A little breathing room, right? Right. And Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman came, it was a June release. So it, it does make sense to have it be released in June. But I don't like having to wait that long because I really liked the first Wonder Woman film. Yeah, I mean, the definitely the first Wonder Woman film was probably the most critically acclaimed of all the DC releases in the last few years, and it was mm -hmm. a huge box office hit, so you knew there was a sequel coming. I'm, they probably announced it before they even had the first open, but I, I'm sad that it got pushed back, but you know what? If it helps them to make a better film and to get a, a more favorable release window, I'm okay with it, just as long as they do it right, they get the right people involved in the project again like they had the first time. I'm okay with that. Right. Well, the most of the cast is coming back, the same director, so it should be good. Cool. George, I have some fun news to share. Okay, good, because we had the cancellations, then we had the pushback. I wanted something fun, at least on our first podcast. Jimmy Kimmel, the late night talk show host. Yeah? Is going to appear in Avengers West Coast number four. What? Like, like wait a minute, in the comic book? In the comic book. <laughs> what the hell is that about? How is Jimmy Kimmel going to rate to be in a comic book? Is he like a super fan or something? Well, Jimmy Kimmel is, uh, he seems to have the exclusives. He's always showing the first trailer and has all the casts on when a movie gets released. So he is a fan and he will be in Avengers West Coast number four. It looks like that team that involves Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, who is also Hawkeye, Gwen Poole, and a 
few others will actually be on his show in the issue. Wait, wait. Are they going to have actors coming in to portray the parts or is it going to be like the guys from the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Or at least we know Hawkeye has been portrayed in the Cinematic Universe. I don't think any of the other ones have yet. But No, this is in the issue. So it's a fictional. Why? Okay. So the heroes are going to be on the show in the issue. Correct. Oh, okay. I thought you were yes. like his real broadcast on television. He was going to wheel people out in costumes and bow and arrows and everything no, on the no, set. That- <laughs> No, this is all going to be in this issue. And it's not that strange for Marvel. Back in the 80s, David Letterman was in an issue of Avengers uh, 239, I believe. And back in the the 70s, Marvel Team-Up number 74 featured Spider-Man and the cast of Saturday Night Live. Oh, that I've got to go back and read that. That sounds like fun. I can see Spider-Man with Gumby. <laughs> right. Yeah. The the cover's great of that issue. It has John Belushi as his, you know, samurai character. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So anyway, this is just continuing a tradition of late night invading Marvel Comics. George, this is hours and hours of news research. What do you have for us? Well, you know, just so that I can prove that you're not the only one doing any work for this podcast, I actually went out and I got us a special guest. Can you believe that? Wow. That's awesome. And I don't mean a special guest like just one of the guys from Gen X Grown Up. I don't mean a special guest like some schlub I pulled off the street who was walking by my house today. I actually went out and got an honest to goodness president of a comic book publishing company. I got James Hake from Scout Comics. James, say hello to the Drawn and Panel Podcast Universe. Hey, guys. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me, George and Jason. Appreciate you guys, as always. No problem, man. Glad you're here. Absolutely. James and I have known each other for several years. We met at Megacon Orlando about like three or four years ago, I think it was, when James had just first gotten signed with Scout Comic Books for one of his books that he had created, his first book called Solar Flare. And James has since risen up through the ranks. He's now the president of the company. They have got all kinds of cool stuff going on, new books, new series, great writers and artists and everything. It's just a tremendous thing to watch, to have seen this from the time I first met James up until now, the evolution of his work at Scout Comic Books and all the stuff he's done. One of the things that we wanted to talk a little bit about in the news segment that particularly relates to Scout Comic Books, a lot of comic books these days are being optioned for different media deals, movies, TV shows, other things like uh, video games and role-playing games and stuff like that. James, you got some stuff that's been optioned for Scout, don't you? Oh, yeah. There's actually been quite a bit of stuff uh, that's been optioned for uh, TV or film development. Uh, A couple things that happened last year, um, Heavenly Blues, which just completed over the summer, was optioned by um, 51 Minds, which is a very popular production company. And uh, that's looking like they're going to go out and start uh, raising money for financing a movie of that that originally was a TV show. And I think they're going towards a movie now. But that's one of my favorite series uh, that Trade Paperback, I believe, comes out next month, which collects uh, one through six. But it's done by uh, Bruno Hildago is the artist and Ben Kahn is the writer. And uh, just a great team. One of the one of the very best books, I think, that we offer. But yeah, we actually reviewed that one on our old Comic Sans YouTube series. Yep, I remember the people are down in hell and then they break into heaven to do a heist. It's that's like the, one of the coolest concepts. I mean, that's really neat. Yeah. It's like an old Western meets oceans 11. It's, it's fantastic. And it's a very cool, (laughs) 
that was one we really liked. We I could definitely see that being a really great film too. I think so too. I, I know originally it was look for TV, which would be cool. You know, in this day and age where TV, you know, gives you you know ten hours compared to two hours, and then having to wait three four years for a sequel if that even happens. But that's uh, that that's one that's. I mean, we have so many, but the ones recently that I know George is probably referring to is. My other series, The Mall, um, which takes place in the 1980s, I say everyone's favorite decade. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's been greatly reviewed. And uh, just earlier uh, last month, I believe, some huge news. Ivan Reitman agreed to, to produce the film or excuse me, the TV show for TV development. That's just really crazy. And Ivan Reitman, if people don't know, he's just an iconic 80s director, did Ghostbusters, Stripes, Twins. Um, again, Don, who's the co-creator, and um, both of us couldn't be happier. And yeah, I mean, it's just pretty amazing. So we had that one. But at the same time, Long Lost, which is another one of our most popular titles, got optioned by Jenny Klein, who's um, the head writer on Jessica Jones for Netflix and their upcoming The Witcher series. Nice. Oh, cool. And she also does Cloak and Dagger. So her and uh, the husband-wife team who does Long Lost, Matthew Ehrman and Lisa Sterl, uh, are all developing the, the TV script together, I believe, the pilot episode. Very cool. Yeah, a lot of strong stuff. I mean, we've had Hench Girl. We have a whole bunch of things that we cannot announce yet. Well, you just did. You just announced Hench Girl. Well, Hench Girl was that was our first one that oh, actually okay. got announced, and <laughs> I believe it was our first Scout book. Well, announce some more stuff. This is drawn and paneled. You and I have known each other too long. You need to give me some kind of an exclusive now. Uh, I I wish I could, <laughs> man. I wish I could. It's really strange. One of the things that, you know, being on this end of the table now, like it's kind of weird to me where, um, you know, once a deal's made, like how close to the, the chest a lot of these companies want to keep it. And uh, as a publisher, you know, from the pu- putting on my publishing hat, you look at it and when you have the buzz of a, you know, going to and taking your IP and taking it into another avenue, so to speak, it really helps the publishing. It really boosts sales. Sure, of course. And uh, yeah, just real weird. We're, we're waiting for the approvals because you don't want to ruffle any feathers. So we're waiting for approvals on a few of these. But, you know, stay tuned here shortly for uh, some big news. And of course, I'll let you guys know. Captain, you're going to get some help from Spider-Man, whether you like it or not. It's that time for our comic book roundtable discussion. This is where we're going to talk all about comic books and specifically some comic books that we happen to love that we're reading right now that we've picked up recently. Jason, what books are you into right now? Well, George, I've got one here. Long Live Pro Wrestling from Scout Comics. Oddly enough, we've got a Scout Comic Books to kick off the roundtable discussion when we've got the president of Scout (laughs) Comics on the line. (laughs) Coincidence? (laughs) I believe James can tell us a little bit more about this book also, but I really enjoyed it. It's about a former pro wrestler, Evan Dandy, who makes the move to late night talk shows. Right, which is awesome in and of itself. I mean, that Evan Dandy, I love the name of the character, first of all. That's just a great name. (laughs) Thanks, man. Very wrestler sounding name. And he gets in a feud with... Another talk show host that's on the same network as his show. There's a lot of just references to pro wrestling. And I grew up watching pro wrestling. I don't keep up with it now. But there's just a lot of dialogue that just 
echoes why I liked pro wrestling, the art form of it. Uh, I know James has read the book. Well, I hope James has read the book. James, didn't you write this I damn book? I did write it. And it's my love letter to pro wrestling. <laughs> some of us pro wrestling fans aren't really, uh, we don't come out in the open because of uh, sometimes the writing on the TV shows aren't exactly uh, up to par. Uh, and it's embarrassing at some times as well. But uh <laughs> Evan Dandy is a former professional wrestler who kind of transcended the whole industry and he became a pop culture icon just coincidentally. And he's put in a position to either help save the industry he once loved or help destroy it. That's the concept. Of the oh, book. OK. All uh, right. We released an issue zero. It's kind of like a little prequel uh, to his show. Yeah, that's the one I've read is the issue zero. And my goal as a writer is to get even non pro wrestling fans to read it and realize at least they know where we're coming from because I think comics and wrestling have a natural link. You know, they're real life superheroes, you know, they're putting on a performance Mm -hmm. and uh, this was like a little, you know, a prequel, so to speak, a number zero. And we're planning on releasing another issue. Number one, um, right around free comic book day. And then we're going to go straight to trade, which is going to collect uh, all of oh, okay. the books and it'll be so you're not going to go one. issues one two three four whatever and then a trade you're going to go issue one and then a, just a full trade yep that's what we're going okay. for so and that's what if you're part of the binge line the binge imprint that's how it's going to go it's going to be a number one a starter if you like it wait a couple months because we're we're building you know we're building the fan base and then we're going to come out with a trade shortly thereafter it's not like you have to wait a long long time but that's that's the goal. And then if it's successful, you know, we'll do the same thing just like TV. The next year, season two comes out. The next year, season three, so on, so forth. So will you do trades there on going forward on the successful titles or will you ever go back and publish individual issues? Um, it really depends. It's a it's a work in process. Probably not. Um, OK. From the publishing standpoint, we're going to, you know, a lot. What's very popular in this day and age is comic stores doing exclusive covers, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and throwing their logo or their website on there, and they have the exclusivity rights. So we'd be willing to talk as a publisher to some of these groups if they wanted to have exclusive rights to to print two, three, four, five, etc. Oh, right. Uh, but as far as soliciting it to them, uh, the real, the main goal here is to to do the issue one or the zero, and then go to straight to trade. Probably a lot easier to sell it to the other media formats too for licensing when you have a whole trade. Oh, absolutely. The guy, can, you can just hand them the trade and say, "Here's the whole story. This is season one of the book." Obviously, there's a lot of meat in here that we can put into five to twenty episodes of a TV show, that kind of thing. Oh, it's an awesome idea. I had I had my a conversation probably six seven years ago with a comic book shop owner about that very idea because everybody tends to just wait for the trade they don't buy the single issue so they can just binge it all at once. I'm sorry you beat me to the idea, but uh, actually executing it. But I think it's <laughs> well. Here's the thing: is like I hope I, I think the whole industry eventually will change to this. I don't know that maybe that's me being optimistic. There are publishers out there who exclusively publish trades. One of our good friends who we're going to actually have on the next episode is the publisher for Caliber Comics. And that's their whole thing is all trades. Is it Andrea by chance? Yes, it is Andrea. We're going to have Andrea. Such a good guy. I know, right? That'll be one for all the listeners to tune into because he's very well knowledgeable, extremely likable, awesome guy. So did you model Evan after any particular wrestler that's either, you know, current or wrestler you liked growing up? Or is he just kind of an amalgam of a bunch of them? 
these were created in college. Uh, there was a little game that came out when I was in college for the PlayStation 1. Yes, I just dated myself, called WWF Warzone. Mm-hmm, I remember it, yeah. They had to create a character mode, and it was really basic where, you know, say you got a character like, I don't know, uh, Breath the Hitman Heart. Okay. You could design with a few things your own character, and then you gave him his movesets. Right. You know, so it was really relatively quick to create a character where I think nowadays it's so comprehensive and almost becomes overwhelming. So a lot of those characters that you'll see in this book were ones that we literally created. All right. So we're talking about Long Live Pro Wrestling, which is a great scout book. We're in the infancy stages of that book coming out. But one book that has had a couple of issues that everybody who's watched anything or listened to anything on Gen X Grown Up podcast or the Gen X Grown Up YouTube channel knows one of my favorite books right now from Scout Comic Books is The Mall. I know that we talk on the roundtable about books we love. We're not trying to overload this particular episode with Scout Books. It just happens that the book that I wanted to talk a lot about happened to also be a Scout Comics book. The Mall is everything I loved about the 1980s. It's big hair. It's video games. It's jocks making fun of geeks and geeks finding ways to get back at them. And then you throw in stuff out of like Goodfellas or any of those type of mob films. You throw that element in there, man, this is a fun, fun book. I love this thing to death. Ever since I got the first Ashcan copy and the first zero copies from you, James, this book has been at the top of my list. I love Solar Flare, which is still the entry point. It's kind of like, you know, I always have to go back to that first thing that brought me to Scout. But man, you're knocking it out of the park with them all. Thanks, man. It's a labor of love. It's it's awesome. I'm very, very proud of that book and the team that uh, we have together because, you know, not a lot of people realize that it's. When you create a comic book, it's usually not just one person. It's um, And by the way, if it is one person, uh, everyone should worship them and definitely, definitely yeah. support them because that is right. a feat in its own. <laughs> but it's a team of, of creators. You know, you have your letters, colorists, pencilers, sometimes inkers, editors, proofreaders, writers. The list goes on. And it's all about getting this team together and producing something amazing. That's the goal. And I couldn't be prouder well, of them tell all. Tell us a little bit about the characters now, just real briefly, because I could give a description of this book as much as I've read it, but it's going to mean a lot more to our listeners if the guy who was one of the co-creators of the book talks about it, because there's some really, there's some, like, I guess you might call it some stereotypical stuff that you would expect from a book set in that time yep. frame, but then there's some really nuanced stuff as well. So the three main characters are three um High schoolers, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. And we'll go start with Diego. He's, he's the younger of the bunch, and he's a Cuban, Cuban-American, uh, or Cuban-Italian, as it turns out. And, um, yeah, he's a nerd, helps his yeah, dad. Yeah, they're all something-Italian, yep. right? We find that out pretty quick. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, he's a musician, and he's um, that your typical nerd that gets made fun of, uh, especially – I like to preference this. This is more Goodfellas than it is Breakfast Club. It is an adult-based book, right? And uh, some of the themes that we go with are pretty, pretty, pretty intense. Sure. And a lot of it—that's what was going on during the time. So I like to preference that. But Diego, you know, he's dealing with racism. He's dealing with being a nerd, so to speak, quote unquote, nerd. What is the definition of a nerd? Um, but he's looked down upon, and uh, yeah, he's just trying to survive high school. And he's got some poverty issues going on, right? Yeah, exactly. He comes, you know, his dad's a blue collar worker trying to 
to, to make it good. And he helps his dad work. Um, so that's the basic background of Diego. Then we have Dallas, who, again, lives in poverty. His mom's a uh, former uh, dancer. And, uh, yeah, she has two jobs, single mom. And he's uh, a jock that just switched schools. He went from uh, going to the old all-black school to be transferred to the more of the – I guess the privileged school uh, you would say. Yeah. Which, it's, it's the one that mm-hmm. would kind of be in the area that was near the mall, obviously, yep. since a lot of those kids in there are at the mall during some of the first opening scenes of the zero issue. You can tell that he's not completely comfortable yet. Yeah, exactly. He's not comfortable because these people, you know, have BMWs, have cars where, you know, he's a little embarrassed from his poverty background, but again, he's an athlete, uh, loves, you know, the day and age loves hip hop music. That's kind of Dallas's background. Right. Then we have Lena, who's the cheerleader. She's um, uh, half black, half white. Her dad is a lawyer mm-hmm. um, for a high prominent law firm. And her mom is kind of a stay at home mom. And she's dealing, you know, she's your typical rich girl, but dealing with some very serious issues when it comes her stepdad. Right. And that's what I was going to say. It's her, her stepfather is there. And I, I want to say right off, as much as I love the other two characters, Diego and Dallas, I think I'm more drawn to Lena than anybody else. There is just uh, some heart-wrenching moments oh, that absolutely. you have in some of these issues already at the very beginning. And I'm like, James, what the hell are you writing, man? I'm supposed to enjoy a book when I read it, but you got me full tears crying and everything on some of this stuff. And I'm like wanting to rip that guy out of the comic book page. I'm so mad at this stepfather. And you guys read the issue. You'll understand what we're talking about. And spoiler alert, guys, not not to say anything, but just because that's the intensity we had when we wrote it and created it. Um, right. You know, people like that get theirs in the end. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I want to see that on the screen when that one gets turned into a TV show. I want to see how they do that. One. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, those are the three kids, but they're being shepherd. Uh, that's a little shout out to Andrea. Uh, shepherd into this, <laughs> nice. whole, uh, this whole scene by their uncle, um, Lenny. Who is basically well? Who they find out is their uncle. They don't recognize correct. him as their uncle at the beginning. He's, uh, their dad is Gino, Gino Cardini, who is the bomb boss, and, and he's uh, Leonard Cardini, and they call him Lenny. And he's dying. And he, Gino is like their—he's their biological father. That until they get this letter, none of them have any clue that this person was their biological father. They all have completely different viewpoints on who their father was. It was almost like somebody did a Jerry Springer, uh, Maury Povich kind of reveal or something like you're not the father, you know, I mean, it's a great way to set the story. I really enjoyed how you did that little twist there, but we saw it coming because, you know, how else are these kids going to end up with owning them all? We knew something was going to happen, but man, good stuff. Yeah, Lenny's shepherding them and helping them, guiding them along the way. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Reluctantly at times. And uh, Lenny is actually a, a gay man dying of AIDS during this time, what turns out to be AIDS. Okay. As writers and creators, we wanted to show, um, especially during that time, um, mm-hmm. just the persecution of, of, of people. Uh, it just it's, it was terrible. So, again, a lot of our stuff, it's a period piece. Um, we're just, it's a great story. And the team that is together, DC Hopkins, who's the letterer, Dijo Lima, who's our colorist, uh, Rafael Lorario, who's the amazing, amazing artist. And of course, Don, myself, our editors, Courtney Whittemore and Jim Pruitt. Just the team that we have is so solid. 
And uh, again, this is really out of all my experience, this has been the best. Now, the only bone of contention that I have to pick with you on this book, Mm -hmm. where's the character that's supposed to be based on me? Because I was alive during that time. I enjoyed going to the mall. I want like a character who played baseball and was super good at Galaga. Well, you probably can't put Galaga in the book, though. There's probably some licensing issues or something. there. Stay tuned, George. That's all I have to say. Stay tuned. Nice. I want to be in the book. All right, we got one more book up on the round table. Jason, this is Halloween. Supposed to be scary stuff going on. We've talked about wrestling, which is kind of scary. We've talked about the mall, which was super scary when you were a kid in the 80s. Now let's talk about something that's really terrifying. You've got a book that you want to talk about that's specific for Halloween, right? That's right, George. So this one's from Boom Studios. Okay. And this book is Bone Parish by Cullen Bunn, who I think a lot of people have heard of. He's best known for doing a lot of horror stuff, but he's also written Deadpool for Marvel, and he did some Aquaman for DC. But I think his... Uh, Meat and Bones is horror, and this book takes place in New Orleans. I love how you use Meat and Bones to describe him for a horror writer. That's awesome. Well, yeah, that was unintentional (laughs) genius on my part. Uh, So anyway, this book takes place in New Orleans, which is a great setting in my opinion. But this book is about a family, the Winters family, that has a drug business, and they sell ash, which is made from the bones of the dead. Oh, nice. There's a lot of grave robbing that goes along uh, with that. So like ash is a drug that they sell, I'm guessing. Yes, it's a drug they sell. It's just in a little bag. It looks like cocaine or something like that. Not that I know anything about that. (laughs) But it's made from bones of the dead and people can ask for special bones. And what it does is you basically get in this hallucination and you relive the events of that person's life, so to speak, or Ooh, it's, it's portrayed okay. it's portrayed in very different ways in the book. Most of the time, it's a hallucination. Like we open up with a guy that is thinks he's a rock star in front of a crowd, but you also have instances of where people take it and they kind of have that person with them and kind of carry on a conversation that they're kind of always with them too. So there's some different ways that it's portrayed in the book, but it's not just a horror book. It's also a crime drama because you've got the New York mob coming in that wants to buy into the product and start selling it outside of Louisiana. And then later issues, you get the Mexican drug cartel moves in as well. And plus, you've got corrupt cops for good measure. So it's a crime drama slash horror book. And it's a lot of fun. So it's a horror crime drama set in New Orleans. Is there a is there a time period that it's set in or is it modern time? Or? It's modern times. Okay. It's modern times. Oh, and the slight spoiler, the drug may have some issues with it. Uh, we find out that there's some magic or black magic involved with uh, with the tr- production of the drug. I don't know that I'm going to call that a spoiler because you almost kind of expect that when you talk about, you know, somebody yeah. taking some illicit drug in New Orleans and mm-hmm. it involves digging up bodies and grinding bones into ash. If you didn't tell me that there was some mystical, magical thing going mm-hmm. on that would cause even more problems, I'd tell you it was a poorly written story because that just goes with the territory, in my opinion. Yeah, and we do see an instance of where something goes wrong and 
you know, that it's not widely known yet that there's an issue with it, but we do see that there may be some problems. So have either of you guys checked this book out yet? I can't say that I have. I have. It's on my reading pile. Oh, it's in your reading pile? Oh, yeah. I have a big reading, reading pile on the side. And uh, yeah, it's and you guys explaining it makes me want to read it even more. Kind of go up the, the ranks of the pile. Batman, that thing. It's going after the bank robbers. I know, Robert. Hey, hey, put me down. It's got me in its claws. Look out. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? Hey there, Drawn and Paneled Podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo, Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a now it's time for our top picks. This is where we discuss books that we're going to put in our poll file that are coming out this week. So James, what do you have that you're looking forward to? One series that I really, really like, it's by Image Comics. It's called Skyward. I'm not sure if any of you guys have read that oh, book, yes. but uh, that's definitely uh, on the top of my reading pile. And that one, the concept is gravity has left, like Earth's gravity is gone. So if, oh, if you're wow. not connected to, via like these magnetic boots or somehow under shelter, you will literally go up and go into space and die. It all happens. And oh, wow. It's such a fantastic <laughs> book. I believe it was option yes. for a television show uh, just recently, but I cannot recommend it high and high, more. I mean, it's just incredible. So Skyward by Image Comics. That That's a good that's a good pick, yes. That's on my yes. list. I be- Cool. What else you got, James? Anything else you're looking uh, at? Let's see. A couple of the other ones that I, I really enjoy is Redneck by Image. Uh, pretty much anything that okay. Donnie Cates mm-hmm. writes, he's just he's great. Um, he does Redneck, Baby Teeth by Aftershock, and of course his Marvel books. Um, I've been reading Venom and uh, when, his, when he did that Thanos run. That's uh, another one I highly recommend. Um, Again, I'm biased here, cool. but the source, which just came out with Scout Comics, is it's fantastic. It's Matrix meets Harry Potter, where uh, magic was oh, outlawed. Okay, oh, wow. all right, we'll let you put that one on the list. Then yeah. that's a good. And then, of course, speaking <laughs> yeah. of magic, the other one that is, um, it's it, it might sound similar, but they're totally different. Is uh, Magic Order by uh, technically Netflix and an Image by Mark Miller and uh, Oliver Copel. Magic Order. Yeah, did so you say? Magic series. Order. Okay. It's so so good. Very real, again, realistic take, modern day, realistic take on magic. Cool. We'll we'll make sure we get all those in the show notes. Jason, are you going to buy any books or what are you going to do? You just going to sit around and collect news or what? Yeah, I'm just going to collect news. No, (laughs) it's every Wednesday at lunchtime, I break away and make my way to the comic book store. So there's a few things coming out that I'm looking forward to. And I know that we like to focus on indie books, but I am looking forward to one from Marvel 
the Avengers Halloween special. Oh, it's been really? a while since Marvel's uh, it's been a while since Marvel's done a Halloween anthology book, so that one caught me off guard. But there's some good indie stuff coming out. Bone Parish number four okay. hit shelves. All right. So looking forward to see what happens with that. And then another one from Boom Studios, Planet of the Apes, The Time of Man. This is a one-shot that focuses on several little short stories focusing on humans in Planet of the Apes. They're going to pull stuff from the films, pull stuff that's, you know, original, and it's all apparently within the Planet of the Apes canon. Right. So that's cool. Nice. A trade paperback that hits shelves is from a Vertigo series, which is part of DC, but this is one that was overlooked, Deathbed. I don't know if either of you checked out the single issues of Deathbed, Mm -mm. but it was a six-issue miniseries about a washed-up reporter that gets tasked with helping tell the story of the world's greatest adventurer before he passes away. And nobody remembers or knows, knows who this guy is, but there's a lot of zombie ninjas and death sex cults and cannibals and oh geez (laughs) you know just all kinds of craziness uh so that's worth checking out finally witches from image comics was a big series by scott snyder they're going to have a standalone halloween special that's a standalone but also a prequel to their volume two of witches that's going to be released and it's a creepy book about kids the woods witches it's really unsettling stuff so that would be worth checking out it's witches bad egg halloween special nice so george what do you have for us For me, I don't buy as many comic books as I probably should because I've just been getting back into the comic book scene for the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. and I'm still trying to find my way to find stories that I can latch on to for several issues. I also have a budget that's set by my wife, so that determines how many books I can pick up every week. And uh, sometimes she's really happy with me because I repaired something in the house or I fixed her computer maybe, and then I get a couple of extra issues. But most of the time, I only get to pick two or three issues each week. So I have to be very judicious and very careful with my picks. So this week, I've got two from Scout Comic Books, oddly enough. I just love a lot of the stuff that Scout is doing. And then I've got another one from a different company. So the first book that I'm grabbing from Scout Comic Books this week is Oblivion number three. Now, Oblivion is a really cool series. I'm going to steal one of James's taglines a little bit and kind of modify it for this book. It's kind of Cthulhu meets John Hughes a little bit. So there's this <laughs> girl who's like in the first book, she's on a mission to lose her virginity. And then while she's on that mission, trying to find out from the boyfriend that she has and everything, just like crazy stuff happens. There's all kinds of characters that get introduced from juvenile hall and everything it's a crazy book i love it i can't wait to get issue number three which comes out on halloween appropriately enough it's a great title for halloween just a little something on that book for all the listeners out there is that it's written by ken christensen who's the head writer of sci-fi's happy and netflix punisher and he did a very very popular book that has a cult following called todd the ugliest kid on earth okay (laughs) and if you that was published by image and it's fantastic and you can purchase the trades i would highly recommend it 
speaking of a book that gets better and better and better, Zenniber issue number six is also coming out this week. Kind of starts off mimicking a little bit of an old movie from the, I guess it was early 90s maybe, or maybe 2000s called Bale, Reign yeah. of Fire. Yeah, early 2000s. Early 2000s, Christian Bale, Matthew McConaughey. It's that same kind of thing, but way better, way better writing. Like, the characters in this book are awesome. The dialogue is great. You start really caring about these characters from the first panel of the first page. I really love it. It's already up to issue number six. I'm looking forward to this one. Been looking forward to it for a long time. Did we even do a review of this one on Comic Sans, Jason? We did do Zinnaber, and I think we all really highly recommended and loved the book. So this is a good one, James. You probably can't tell us that I can see this being a great TV series or film also, but... Well, it already was a film. They just did a poor job well, I of can it. see so this James being a better the guys film. guys from Scout had yeah. to come back and do a better job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then finally, the last book on my pull list is going to be something that's near and dear to my heart. You guys ever seen the Netflix series Stranger Things? Never heard of it. One of my favorites. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All of us who love stuff about Generation X, the 70s, 80s era, Stranger Things is no stranger to you, I'm sure. Well, they've done a comic book series. And this comic book series takes a look at the young boy who was in the Upside Down the boy who was trapped for the whole first season. Right, Will. Yeah, for Will. This series is a limited series that just talks about his time that we didn't get to see. Very cool. Of how he survived in the Upside Down. And issue number two comes out on Halloween this year. They've done some really cool variant covers for those who are interested in that sort of thing. Uh, Some of the variant covers look like old 80s magazines and they even have like the roughing on the front cover, like somebody's read the magazine a lot, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Really great photos that you can tell were taken with old cameras or somebody is just a genius with photos shop and knows how to make a modern digital camera look old. Really great stuff. The stories are really fun. It has an instant buy-in because if you watch the series, that's probably why you're going to get this comic book. So you don't have to worry about trying to figure out what's going on in this one. You already know because you watch the TV series. Very good. Nice. Meanwhile, aboard the shuttle jet, which acted as a ferry for Betty Talbot. It's happened again. The Hulk must have relaxed for a moment, perhaps fallen asleep. Whatever the reason, I've changed. I'm Bruce Banner again. I want to do a quick shout out for James, president extraordinaire of Scout Comics. Thank you so much for joining us on our first episode. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, it's, it's an honor to be part of the first episode, which I know there will be many, many more. So hopefully we can do this again. Absolutely. Now, speaking of the next episode, we're actually going to have another friend of ours because I love to work with my friends. We're going to have Andrea Molinari the publisher from Caliber Comics on the podcast. So that'll be a fun episode. He's also the writer-creator of The Shepherd, another great book that we're going to get a chance to talk about on that episode. So you guys tune in to check that out. And that will wrap it up for the first episode of Drawn and Paneled here on the Gen X Grown Up Podcast Network. Guys, so glad you could join. Jason, thank you so much for being a part of this and being my co-host on this journey. You're welcome, sir. It's my pleasure. And James, again, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me again. And we will see you guys next time. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. This podcast is an affiliate of the GWW Radio Network. 
Visit Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.